Well, we are in week two of that series called This Is It, and we purposely uh, chose to put this series right here at the beginning of the year. Wanted to capitalize on a time when we're all open to change. We want to do something different, and so we said, let's put this one right at the beginning of the year at New Year's. Did you know that New Year's is, uh, I don't know if it's the oldest holiday, but one of the oldest holidays. It originated in um, 2000, uh, 2,000 years before Christ in Babylon. That's where that started. And uh, there have been many traditions kind of wrapped around it over the years, but there's one that has stuck, right? The whole notion of resolutions. Uh, and, but they've changed drastically through the years. I want to read you the top 10 uh, here in America, what the top 10 uh, resolutions typically are. And they're much different than the ancient day uh, resolution in Babylon. I'll tell you that one after we go through ours here. You should be able to pick uh, your resolution somewhere here on this list. Uh, number 10, uh, many of you want to get organized. Number nine, you want to help others. Eight, you want to learn something new. Number seven, some of you want to get out of debt. Six, quit drinking or using tobacco. Number five, enjoy life more. Number four, quit smoking. Number three, tame the bulge. Number two, get fit in fitness. And then number one shows up on the uh, majority of the list as top, and that is to spend more time with uh, family and friends. Our number one resolution, if it's not there, it's somewhere in the top five where we want relational change. And we're going to talk about that today, but not from a perspective that we've talked about it before. We've talked about priorities and time. That's not what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at it from a different perspective. But those are our resolutions. Uh, the number one ancient day resolution in Babylon was this. You'd never guess it, so I'm not even going to ask you. Uh, Return borrowed farm equipment. Yeah, for sure. It's on your show yeah. from Michigan. Well, it made sense for them because New Year's, they celebrated it was, instead of one day, it's 11 days. It also came at the beginning of spring. So here they are coming out of winter into a time where planting and, and rebirth and blossoming was happening. So you had to have that farm equipment in order to get something done. So it made perfect sense. Well, that's our hope for you in this series is that something gets done, that through the series and some of the steps that we provide, that you're not standing in the same spot next year that you are this year, that there truly is change. The verse that we're using, uh, kind of the centerpiece of this series is from Isaiah uh, chapter 43, verse 19, and I want to read that to you this morning. So see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Last week, Donnie started the series having us look at the whole notion of spiritual change because that's so important as we set forth in the weeks ahead to want to make some change in other areas. It's so important that we ground ourselves in things like reading God's word, talking to God, and being in community with one another. And Donnie was talking about God wants us to be in movement in life, healthy movement through life. And he gave us some ways to create that movement. And this week, like I said, we're going to talk about relational change. And isn't it, you know, when you think of your best memories or your fondest, you know, remembrances, they're usually tied to relationships. Usually that 
that there's something there that you are around others for that, that best time. But the flip side's also true. Some of the deepest scars and wounds come through relationships as, as well. This side of heaven, we see how sin can destroy. We see how a death and other circumstances can put a strain on our relationships. And it gets us to a point where we, can, we desire change, but we end up getting stuck. And year after year, we come saying, this is it. But we end up really going, this is, this is it. Same place. And as I prepared for the talk today and was praying and reading, read a lot in Isaiah, um, it, it dawned on me just how easy it is for us to kind of keep going back to the same things we know how to do. And we immediately go and run off and do those things only to get back and be dis- uh, discouraged and disappointed and we're in the same spot. And when you read Isaiah 43, God's words are calling a people to a different spot a different place. And so I'm going to spend some time today in chapter 43. We're going to spend time together. So I want to get Bibles in your hands. If you don't have a Bible today, just signal to the ushers. They're going to be coming down the aisle. Uh, They will give you one. It's yours to keep if you don't have one. If you just need to borrow one, go ahead and take it and drop it off on your way back, on your way out. I hope that as you leave from here, you go back this week and read... uh, Isaiah 43 and some of the other texts around that. We're going to pull from that today, but as we do that, it's important for, for us to understand. If we're going to look to see how Scripture speaks to us, we've got to understand what it meant to them in order for us to feel and understand how to use it. Why did God have to write such hopeful words to these people? Why did he have to say, I'm doing something new? And they, they seem to be in a, a bad spot or going to be in a bad spot in this case. Why? The words wasteland, desert, that's not a place full of life. That's deserted, barren, dry. And it's, God seems to be infusing some hope here. What we need to know, Isaiah, you know, messenger from God, spoke to the people, advisor to a king. Isaiah is broken into two parts when you read it. When Isaiah is writing, the nation of Israel, they are broken. They are relationally broken with one another. They're relationally broken with God. They're divided. They're no longer one. You've got a north and a south. And here in 43, the first part you know, of Isaiah is about, uh, he's writing about before the exile, the exile to Babylon, which is a time of judgment and discipline that God was going to be giving the Israelites. But then the second half, God's saying, it's not going to always be like that. You are going to come out of Babylon and back to your homeland. And so he tries to talk about his deliverance and his hope. And that's where 43 lies, is in that section where at one point, the Jewish believers will be exiled. And in this kind of dry, dark, lonely place where they're going, this is it? This is what we have to look forward to. And for some of you today, you may feel like you are in a wasteland, a relational wasteland, because we're talking about relationships today. Or maybe you know somebody who is going through a period like this. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe somebody failed to reach out to you at a critical time. Or maybe you were the one that hurt somebody. And in either case, you cannot forget that. That's where you keep going to. 
Or maybe you're angry. You know, some, some of the teens in here angry with a friend who, who's just being mean. Or parents who just don't understand and you try time and time and again to get them to understand you. And all you want to do is just get in your room and disconnect from everybody else. Maybe your wasteland is being around difficult people. There are all kinds of people out there. There are the people that are always right. Maybe you work with one of them. You can never say anything that's right. They're always right. Or they always put a wet blanket on things, a damper on things. They're the, the Eeyores of the world. You know, everything's always doom and gloom. And all you want, you're tired of people like that. And you want to get, you know, get away from that. Maybe you're in a distant marriage. At one time, you could finish each other's sentences. And now you sit across the table and you're like searching for things to say. Maybe you're single. By choice, by a death, by a broken relationship. And the reality for you is the pain of loneliness. Even coming to worship, coming out in an environment like this is painful because it's a reminder that you're lonely. Maybe that's where you stand today. Or maybe it's a broken marriage is where you stand. You cause it or you're on the receiving end of it. And both of you thought we would... How did we get here? We're not supposed to be that couple. And you find yourself in this place. The terrain for the wasteland relationally is, is it's vast. And it's all too common for many people. And when we get in this place, so often we get to a new year and we, we want to say, this is it. This is going to be different. But like the exiles, this, this is it. But this is an opportunity for, if you stand there, this is an opportunity for things to actually be different. But you've got to answer a question. Are you going to sit here and give up and let this time define who you are for the rest of your life? Or are you going to use this time to actually refine you and your character and your faith? Because you stand right there at a crossroads where there is an opportunity. And God spoke to the uh, exiles. He said, I'm doing something new. And I love the NLT, the New Living Translation says, I'm, I'm doing something and I've already begun. I've already begun this new thing. And so for you today, maybe the first thing you need to do is ask God to help you believe that he is doing something new, that he is doing a new thing. God knew that the Israelites would be exiled and that the only thing that they were going to see was their captivity, not in their homeland, somewhere else. And that was going to be the only thing that they saw. And he needed them to hear, I am bigger than what you think. And I am working even when you cannot see. And I am working in ways that are probably far too complex for you to even wrap your mind around. And that same message needs to be heard by us today, that God is doing a new thing and he wants your attention. Because that kind of hopeful message gives us the courage to want to step up, step out and and do that movement that Donnie was talking about. But often we get to this place and we say, where are you, God? I don't perceive anything that you're doing. And I came across a picture as I was preparing that I thought captured uh, a verse that God had in uh, 43, chapter 43. 
This little guy, look, he's looking out for that bird. Where is it? Right there. Right there. And I thought of that as reading Isaiah 43, verse 22. God saying, yet you have not called upon me, Jacob. You have not worried yourself for me, Israel. Why is it that we don't call upon God? Why is it that we look in those different places? I don't purposely set out and say, God, I got this one. I am the expert on this one. You know, when, it, when I find something that you might be good at, I'll call you in on it. We don't do that. But when we sit here, how can we, why do we do that? And I think with relationships, one way we can understand how we got there is often when we express love, it is an indicator. You can look at how we express love. It usually reflects our faith. Look at how you love, and it gives you some insight on how your faith is going. For instance, some people that stand in this brokenness are very controlling in their relationships. They take the bull by the horns, and they, there's a healthy side of that where you do the things in a relationship that are right. I'm talking something differently where this person comes in and just ramrods the thing right through and does everything because they don't think God's going to do anything. He's not going to do it now, or he's not going to do it in the way that I want him to do it. I have no confidence in God, and so I take control. And that usually destroys relationships, and it usually shows no confidence in God. There's the other side of that where you start out doing that, but you get very disappointed and discouraged. You're like, nothing's changing. I just give up. And you pull away from people and you usually pull away from God. Same moves. And that gives us insight on what's going on. If you're going to ask God to help you believe that he's doing a new thing, you've got to commit to trust God with your relationships. You've got to trust him with that. He has all the right credentials. He has the right desire, right motive. As you read Isaiah 43, right at the beginning, he says, I formed you. I created you. You are precious. You are holy. I am your redeemer. I called you. I'm your savior. He's saying, trust me. I've got, I've got your good will in mind. I'm going to take care of you. Those same promises we have in Christ. Go to the New Testament. We who believe in Christ are chosen, are holy We have been called. We are loved by God. We are children of God. We can trust him. Are you trusting God with your relationships and with your life? One of the ways to get the answer to that is ask yourself this question, and it just doesn't apply to relationships. It applies to anything life can throw at you. Ask yourself, when this happens, do you see the size of the problem Or do you see the magnitude of God's presence? What do you see as you stand there? Do you see the size of the problem? And that's the greatest thing. Or do you see the magnitude of your great God and his presence? Paul firmly believed and rested in the latter. And it allowed him to say these words in Romans 8, starting in verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, 
nor neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is a relational wizard. His whole ministry was about restoring and restoration and removing obstacles so that people could be in relationship and be in relationship for eternity. Who in life can offer you that kind of relationship? And if you are a believer in Christ, you need to trust him. Trust that relationship. And if you don't know him, you need to entrust your life with him. And you may not know what what that means, but just check the orange card and we can continue the dialogue that I know that you've started. And we can continue that together. But trust God. And it may not be that your confidence in God is lacking. It may be like what happened to the Israelites. There was something else that was capturing and consuming their hearts. And so then the question becomes, what has become more important to me than my relationship with God? What's become more important to me than my relationship with my Savior? The way you can start to answer that is if you find yourself doing if-then statements. If I were married, if I had a girlfriend, a boyfriend, then I would be happy. If I didn't have this physical ailment and I wasn't suffering so much, then I would have the energy to love and to worship. If the person was nicer to me, then I would be a better person. Or if this person did something for me, then I would forgive them. If I take that approach, I'm going to land in the same spot over and over again because with all of that, a couple things. One, others are right, others and circumstances are what that depends on. My happiness, all these things, I'm putting in the hands of somebody else. And furthermore, I'm putting myself right in the center and I'm making myself and others a priority and a much higher priority than is meant to be. And in verse 26, I think, God uses kind of a charge, a command to get the Israelites to start to move. He says this. He says, review, come here, review the past with me. Review your past with me. And I really think that's a healthy thing for us to do when we stand in seasons of life where things are broken, like relationships. To stand there and review our past with God. Because it's so easy to default to our typical strategy. And for a lot of us, it's to default to, like, if something breaks, what, what do you do? You go replace it. But the problem with that is, I'm going to be me. You're going to be you wherever you go. You're going to be you wherever you go. And we cannot escape relationships. So there always are going to be people who are the prickly kind of people, the difficult kind of people, and people aren't going to love us in ways that we desire them to. And so we end up getting disappointed and discouraged, and we end up at the same place. And how can we ex- expect change if we're not willing to change how, you know, what we're doing or how we are responding to these things in life? And I think David is a great example for us. And we can read in Psalm 139, starting in verse 23, this principle of reviewing your relational past with God. David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
the way to do this, you know, some tangible things. I, I would say journal. Some of you don't like to journal. Oh, the, there's going to be a record of, okay, journal for a period of time and then shred it. But don't rush the process. And here's what that journal is to look like. On that first page ought to be a, just a, you writing out, Lord, here is where I'm at. Here's the situation. Be able to identify what's going on and write that down. The second thing you need to write down is how you, me, I hate saying you, how I failed to love God and love others in this situation. This is kind of looking at uh, my contribution to this wasteland that I sit in. Write down how you failed to love God and others. An important thing as we're doing this is find a believer that you can share this list with, your small group leader, a, a friend, a pastor, as you share it, because you can share it with them and say, this is, what, this is how I've dealt with this, or this is what I've done. What do you think? Is this an honest reflection of who I am? And that person who cares for you will say, you know, yeah, I've seen that. And it's in that point, all of a sudden, you've identified and you're going to start to move forward in some things. And then Donnie talked about, and I would add this step, is pray. You may not know how to pray in this. Go to Psalm 32, Psalm 40. They're psalms of repentance. Because what you just did in this, this method, this list, is you're kind of confessing. Here's what's going on, Lord. And those psalms help you to verbalize that and just... Uh, finish the confession, and thank God for his forgiveness. We have some uh, groups, a care group that's called Life's Healing Choices. I'll give a little plug right here for that. One of the exercises we do in that group is this. And it's Life's Healing Choices. Next one's February 16th. It's an eight-week group, um, and it kind of goes throughout the year. We'll do a couple sessions throughout the year. This is a great tool, Life's Healing Choices, to help you kind of move through your relational wasteland. <laughs> The other thing, we're going to be starting a series called Make Love, uh, Making Love Stick, and we'll have an event and some equipping there, so pay attention to your program about some things that you can sign up for. This whole idea of assessing yourself, there's kind of two responses to that. One is, wait, wait, wait a minute, why should I have to do that? Because I'm not the one that caused it. There's truth to that. But you also got to remember that you keep standing in the same spot over and over again. And what we are responsible for is our response to things. And we have to be God-honoring in our responses to life and to one another. And so we've got to trust God. So part of your healing is going to come by going through that and self-assessing. And for others, they'd be like, whoa, the other thing is that's not going to feel good because I'm the one that did the breaking and the tearing, and I, I'm just fearful of guilt and shame. This doesn't sound like a pleasant exercise. Again, know that healing comes through this. And, and the key thing is, is your relationship with Christ. You can have the courage, if you know him as you're saying, you can have the courage to approach a self-assessment in Christ. God in 43, his chosen people, he reminds them in 25, I, even I, am he who blots, blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. In the New Testament, for those that believe in Christ, 
1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That purifying is part of the healing process. I can't explain it. It's a divine thing. And he, called, he says, call upon me. Trust me with this. And as you work through this self-assessment, what it does is it frees you up. There's a lot of stuff in there in this process of just self-assessing frees you up to go out and love others. Hopefully, there'll be a, the person that you've called kind of in this journey to review your list will ask you this question. Okay, why do you want that relationship? As you're heading out here now, why do, why do you want relationships? And what they're really getting at is what's your motive? As you go out, I don't want you to be disappointed again, so tell me why you're going out. Is it to, to be filled up? more than it is to love somebody? Is it more about you than it is loving the other person? You see, some of us think that the relationship's going to make us feel normal. Part of that's true, but we've got to feel normal first in a different way. And when we have those motives where it's more about us than the answer to the question, am I ready to move out and love somebody else? No. You're not ready yet. You've got to understand the reason for relationships. Why did God put relationships into place? Again, chapter 43, when you read the beginning of that, he said, God said, I created you for me. That's why the most important thing is our relationship with God. He said, I created you for me. And you are to proclaim my goodness. You are going to, you know, the greatest commandment, go out and love me with all you got and love others. Jesus said, others will know me by your love. So we are to be in community. We are to be connected with one another. But we've got to move out with an understanding and an expectation to pursue others for their sake. Not our sake, for their sake. Love them. God's word, to, God is love. I can't develop this as we close out here, but I'll just read you. You've been at weddings before. Heard 1 Corinthians 13, right? What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. And it always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Who wouldn't want to be loved in that way? Who would not like to receive this kind of love? And you see, often being loved, we have to express and show love before we experience it sometimes. So as you go and do that, move out pursuing people with this kind of love. If you stand in a relational wasteland today and you're the one that got yourself there and you hear that kind of love and the attributes of love and you're like, there is no way that I could ever love like that. I hope you today, it's a beginning where you say, this is it because I am going to let real divine love flow through me. Or maybe for you, you sit in the wasteland and you are scarred because somebody loved you with a, definition and attributes that are not godlike it's totally different than this i hope today is a day where you say this, this is it 
I'm going to move forward here. I know, Lord, that you created a path for me, and I'm going to respond to this differently than I had in the past. I'm there. Do not let your past relational failures define your future. Trust God, your Redeemer. He's the one that wants to give you the strength. He's the one that wants to refine you so that you can go and love others the way he intended it to be. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for a reminder. Uh, Your word just hangs together beautifully. I mean, from beginning to end here in 43, we just get a reminder once again of how much you love those that are your people. And I pray for uh, people sitting here today that they truly heard that change is possible and it's through you and they, they go forth just trusting you in that and beginning to go down a new path, not one that they blaze, but one that is there because you have provided a way in a place where there appears to be no way. Father, we just uh, move from here trusting you and love you and thank you that that is a possibility, that deliverance is real and your hope is real. We need to hear that and then we just need to run to you as you begin to change things in our lives. It's in your son's name I pray, amen.